This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating FPL podcast. My name is Brandon and Josh is on vacation, which leaves me here with my good friend Dave Wagner Lodal, also known as D Wags. D Wags, how are you doing today? <laughs> Great, Brandon. Excited to be on. Thank you for having me and um, hope to live up to Josh's big shoes. So thank you. The way I view the way I view it is since I did the intro, which Josh typically does. Dave, you're actually filling in for me as I'm filling in for Josh. So if anyone mm-hmm. is not here, it's actually me. So mm-hmm. did I just blow your mind there? Mm-hmm. No, that actually was how I came into this. So it makes perfect sense. <laughs> All right. So Dave, uh, let's just get this out of the way. So you've, you've been on the Always Cheating podcast a few times before, but for the uninitiated, mm-hmm. who are you? And when I say who are you, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like top level stuff. I'm looking at your FPL season history ranking. Your your first year playing FPL was 2014-15, and you finished 27K overall. And it's basically been an upward trajectory from there. Last season, your overall rank was 5,565. 2016-17, your overall rank was 4,008. Uh, what's the secret, man? This seems easy for you. Um, I, I, is that a question coming up? Uh, what's my secret? Um Getting is 50, it just natural? Yeah, well, natural smarts, beauty, and intelligence. Uh, most of all, <laughs> getting every 50-50 decision right, um, that helps. So, <laughs> Yeah, we can talk about Theo Walcott in a minute. Uh, uh, I mean, just... <laughs> You, you you do you do I've played in a private league with you for a couple seasons now and you do live a charmed transfer life so um I, all that to say if if Dave says something listen if I'm saying something do feel free to take it with a grain of salt well I have to jump in Brandon though because one of my keys is over the years has been patience I I think last year I only took maybe two hits if that okay and this week is trying my that, patience that's impressive. Well, yeah and this week is trying my patience i'm i'm <laughs> on the freaking out people bo- like like bored of people who are just 
going nuts on Twitter and Slack. And I just, I'm, I need, I might need to be calmed down. I might be taking the role of Josh this week. So, well, well, this might help me sort out my thoughts for this week. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that is, that is the point of this week's podcast. It, it kind of feels like the gravitational, gravitational center of FPL is shaking right now. We came off of game weeks one and two really high game week averages the average score overall for game week three was 50 points, which is, you know, we have seen much fallower game weeks than this. So it's not bad, but people are seeing a big dip in their game week score and people are starting to panic. Mm-hmm. So um, before we before we jump into how we did in game week three, Dave, just what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about uh, a lot of what we need to understand is the fallout from game week three. We're talking Richarlison. We're talking uh Uh, trademark the year of the fullback Uh, lots of people finally coming around to Alonzo's crazy returns and uh, attack is a huge thing that we need to make sense of coming out of game week three I mean going back to the the fullback point so many of our points were coming from the back and not from the front so we've got a lot of questions from the listeners about who we should who we should be zeroing in on uh for game week four and beyond in the attack. So game week three, Dave, take us through your team. How did you do? Where did you finish? Uh, I finished 55 points, overall rank 14,000. So really happy with where I am. But kind of like you said there, it feels this week feels sort of like a pivotal week for a lot of people. I've, I feel pressure even being on the pod because it's just there's I have two free, tra- free transfers. <laughs> Most people have one or two. Most people have red cards, injuries, um, you know, cracks in their team and wild cards going around. So it, it does feel like a pivotal week, I guess, just for the l- Michael Keane has a crack in his skull, dude. Oh, I mean, man. It's, that was, it's just that was a, well, you got to go. Gnarly. So, you know, hey, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. his FPL life is balancing out his yeah. real life. Yeah. So good on you. Keane. Yeah, if you get one more concussion, your career is over at whatever age you are. So sorry. Sorry about that. But um yeah, just just for the listeners to know, I mean, the team I'm rolling out is I got Ederson, Van Dyke, Mendy, um, legendary Ben Davis, uh, Salah, Mane, uh, Walcott, Richarlison. So all all Merseyside midfield there, and then uh, Aguero, King, and Arnie. So I I have a couple decisions to make, but I mean, overall, great start. Obviously, happy with that, but need to. Um, I don't know. Do I, you know, need to take a hit? Need to be on top of it. So we'll, we'll see. We'll talk it out. Yeah, we will talk it out. We're also going to talk a, a little bit about wild carding, Dave. I don't think either of us are thinking about wild carding. Neither of us have played thus far. No, I, I have the um, what you guys were talking about. I think last week I have two free transfers, so I'm legally not allowed to wild card because I'd just be wasting a transfer. So <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's totally true. It's totally true. Uh, I, I'm going to mention my team real quick, but um, in absentia, uh, Josh actually beat both of us this week. What finished on 58? Yeah, he finished on 58 points. Uh, moves him up into the top 100k and overall rank 99,800. Uh, welcome to the team, Josh. So Allison, GK, Mendy, his big transfer this week was bringing in Alonzo for your legendary Ben Davis. Wow. Congrats. Uh, so he, well, look at that. schooled you on the look transfer. Look at that. There. Yeah. The tables have turned. They have. Uh, so that was a big win for Josh. 
Cabasele, uh, am I saying that right? Cabasele for Watford came in off the bench for Eric Bailly, who is basically dead mm. to the world now after his disastrous game week two. Uh, in the midfield, Josh, uh, Captain Sala, Mane, uh, everyone's pain with Richarlison, and then Conte was his other transfer. Oh, yeah. So I that, saw that. that was, I feel like, that was a big story going into game week three. Will we ever talk about Conte again the rest of the season? Oh, I'm I'm sure. I, I mean, we'll be talking about <laughs> him on okay. this podcast. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, up front, Zaha with uh, with the he was reaped of all of his bonus points at the end of that uh, that match after scoring a pretty dope that was goal. A crime. Aguero on the vice vice captain and and Josh King with nine points. So uh, well done to, to Josh. Myself, I finished on 50 points. I shifted. I had a red arrow, my first red arrow of the season, and I shifted back by 4,500 places, overall rank of 38,618. Uh, again, my my heavy back line. We have a similar uh, defensive mm. setup, Dave. I've got Ederson in goal as well, Mendy Van Dyke, and Robertson, which is just like mm. – Robertson is emerging as the true legend of the early season. He's just like steady Eddie, but with with big points, big bonus potential. Uh, a year of the fullback, of course, as yeah. we say. My uh, transfer this week was Mikatarian in for Jota, and uh, that didn't pan out. We've got a couple of questions about what the heck is going on with Arsenal. Dave, I mentioned to you right before we started recording, you know it's an Arsenal match if Danny Welbeck scores the third and meaningless mm-hmm. goal. Yeah, we're like we're in midseason form with Arsenal, I feel like. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So of course Mick and Zarya not involved in, in that at all. Uh, Dale Stevens uh, comes in for Mesut Ozil. Mesut Ozil, so what do you make of this situation with Ozil? Uh I think I have to hold with Ozil and because the Arsenal fixtures are so good. Uh, I'm just going to stick with him and hope that he can mend those fences with Unai Emery. Yeah, there, and that was the there was two instances of players being dropped for dust ups with their manager, also um, on Newcastle. Lascelles, yeah, Lascelles, yeah. yeah. So that was interesting. Um, I don't know. Ever since I learned that Ozil has some disease that makes his eyes look like that, it's like shaken me. Like I can't stop thinking about it and like the implications uh-huh. of it. And I don't know. It's just. Are you worried that you're going to get this disease, Dave? Uh, no, I'm worried that like Ozil's career has changed because people think he's lazy because his eyes look weird. But maybe he's not lazy, <laughs> and it's just like looking glass are self. You... <laughs> like I'm just really deep into it. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I hear you. I feel like this is the uh, Premier League version of a prayer for Owen Meany. Oh, so oh, you're uh, we, speaking my language should... right now. Yep, <laughs> definitely writing a book called A Prayer for Mesut Ozil, uh, and we can we can see if he could still win that baseball match with his with his uh, crazy yeah. eyes. This this went to eighth grade English class. Was my sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. Loving it. Exactly. All right. So I mean, it, I, you never know quite how to feel finishing on fifty points, and of course the game week average shakes out to 50 points exactly and i've got that crazy mixture of green arrows and red arrows so Mm. i kind of don't really know if i'm I'm sticking or twisting here do i have problems do i not and that goes back to basically the theme of this episode is game week three heading into game week four this is when we're really going to be tested early in the season uh so yeah lots to discuss before we really get into the meat of the pod Dave, we're going to run through the always cheating Super League top 10. And uh, it's it's a weird top 10 because we have a four-way tie for seventh place. 
So in a way, it's the Super League top seven. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you're into stats, Dave, and, and data analysis. Yeah. Does that still count as a top ten? Um, no, no. This is this is a false. This is a lie. <laughs> um, I reject this. It's yeah. a false sample. <laughs> or is it, is, is, is your methodology is no, no. The arithmetic I'm, I'm looking at checks out. Checks out. Yeah, four way tie for seven. Okay, great. So always cheating in Super League. That's of course our podcast, Public League, which you can still join. Go to our website, alwayscheating.com, or check the show notes. The join link is there, where I think we're four four thousand members strong and going. So top ten, real quick, tied for seventh place. It's Aaron England, George Greenlier, Tejas Sajadeva. Sorry for the pronunciation, guys, and Eli Grimland. In sixth place, it's Phone Yar Zar So Scotty. Uh, with the team Choo Choo, fifth place, Karen Ibrahim, third place, Andrew McKinnon, also tied for third place, it's Travis West. Moving up to second place, it's Christopher Blair with Keats Elite. And holding strong in first place, it's Francisco Santos with a total overall score of 278. Francisco Santos's overall rank is 44. So well done to everyone there in the Super League. Uh, one other little quick piece of housekeeping, our Patreon page, where you can go to support what we do here on the podcast. Our Patreon page helps offset the cost of our server fees, our hosting fees, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you can visit uh, patreon.com slash always cheating for more information on what our Patreon is and how you can join our special supporter leagues, including our upcoming Survivor League. Uh, Dave, you must be a, as, as an American sports fan, this is kind of in the mold of NFL fantasy games as survivor league. Are you just looking forward to this? Oh, as a previous winner. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, right. You are a previous winner. Dave, you are the most accomplished person I have ever met in my life. <laughs> All right. So yeah, you, you, we'll, we'll, uh, be rolling out that survivor league. I think, uh, Josh wants to do that shortly after Labor Day. You can also join our private Slack forum where there's lots of great, uh, strategy chat rate my teams etc and you can uh get access to special pod swag so thank you to harold martinez and brian warman both at the sorloth patron patreon level and uh welcome eric kowalker who joins at the embacani level the slack is good too the slack is good good guys and gals good discussion so yeah join dave we've got a few rants do you want to take us through the rants this week I will. I, and I apologize. And Josh, this is your corner. Um, I'm not going to take it. I'm just filling in for you. But uh, rants of the week. Uh, Morton Kine, what's up with all the red cards? Um, uh, you know who else agrees with? What is up with? I it? don't know. Well, you know who agrees with you? Theo Walcott. After the game, did you see the interview where they're like, you know, hey, what happened with that? You know, you know, when you got that red card on you, he goes, I, I must not know the rules because that didn't seem like a red card to me. And, that, you know, that was, you know, on Bournemouth, obviously. It's pretty rare when you see a guy who is uh, a victim of a red card challenge, actually, to say, eh, not. yeah, yeah. I mean, all all these guys are, are uh, most of them are sportsmen anyway, and they just they just want to out, be out there playing. But, not Richarlison. Uh, yeah, he doesn't want to be out there. <laughs> He's like, what's the <laughs> the original bad boy of the Premier League? <laughs> what's, with Charleston? what's the minimum I have to do to become a bad boy and sit for a few weeks? How how do I accomplish that? 
Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, four red cards on Saturday. It was kind of it was kind of nutty. And I think we're we're gonna have to talk a little bit about how to um FPL manage our way out of this red card mm-hmm. situation. And, uh, yeah. The um, other uh the other rant, Al at uh in Batches, Alabama. A L? I don't know. Just call him Al. It's a just call him Al, Al Dave. Alabama. You can call Alabama him Al. Al. What's up, brother? Uh just feel sorry for me supporting <laughs> Newcastle is all. And hey, uh, I'll give you I'll give you a shout out for that. You, I mean, you guys, you're doing you're doing God's work there. Um, clubs in a weird spot. Rafa Benitez, I you know I hope for you he stays. Um, it's good for the league, but man, yeah, that's a eh, it's a tough spot to be in as fans and not 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 doing so hot per usual. Yeah, for, uh, from an FPL perspective, uh, DeAndre Yedlin for Newcastle had one oh, of the craziest forgot, uh, yeah. fantasy mm-hmm. weekends yeah. of all time. Mm-hmm. The OG, the assist, the the clean sheet wipeout ends up with two points. And Josh pointed this out on our Twitter feed at Hail Cheaters. Two points the hard way. So a big always cheating salute to DeAndre Yedlin for doing it. Two points hashtag the hard way. America's own. Yeah, absolutely. Happy Labor Day, DeAndre. All right. uh, (laughs) Speaking of Labor Day, let's take a quick break, Dave. We'll come back. We're going to talk about the uh, fallout of Game Week 3 and uh, essentially try to figure out where we go from here. Perfect. All right, D-Wags, we're back for part one Game Week fallout. Dude, do your parents call you D-Wags or they call you Dave, David? What's the mm, situation? Um, uh, my mom calls me by my full name. What does my dad call me? David Wagner Lodal. Um, well, yeah, David Richard, actually. So that's that's a good one. Dave Dick <laughs> okay. right there. So um, hit you with that. Um, yeah, Dave usually. I, it's always an issue with work. It's like Dave, David. You know, I don't really care, um, but people seem to get offended if they think they're calling you the wrong thing. So um, uh, it's D-Wags to you, Brandon. Okay. Or or Richard. Or Richard. For the purposes of this podcast, you're Richard. Richard, <laughs> we're talking about Game Week 3 Fallout. First question here, we're, we're, we're taking a big top-down view. The Dork Lord asks, should I prioritize transferring out injured, suspended players I will want again? like Juan Basaka and Richarlison or transferring in players who will score more mm-hmm. points. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is a pretty black mm-hmm. and white question mm-hmm. here. What is your priority? Is your priority um, sort of long-term management of your grand vision of what FPL is, or are you just trying to get points? Mm. And I don't know for, for you, Dave, does the answer lie in between? Is it definitely get points? Is it definitely make the smart decision as mm, early as yeah, possible? So I'm a little shook because I thought his name was the Dark Lord. And I was like, that's really cool. And then I you said Dork Lord, and I was like, wow, that's weirder. Um I This this is fantasy sports, Dave. There are no Dark Lords. Here. I was like, there that guy's like lords. way cooler than me. It's like, damn, <laughs> coming in hard. Um I, the loaded modifier of that is that I want again. So if you, if someone's out two weeks and you absolutely know that you need them again, then burning two transfers and doing the hokey cokey is um, actually not ideal, but who knows what happens. It's a long yeah. time between then and now, and maybe someone else will fire. So the loaded pieces, do I want them again? Um, I think we'll actually get to this next, but I'm actually really honest to God considering keeping Richarlson. And it could be a horrible idea. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 
let's let's talk about Richarlison because it, it's an interesting one for me. I mean, I, I almost everyone probably listening to this has Richarlison. If you didn't, you probably are are wiping a lot of sweat from your brow because he was destroying managers who didn't have him for the first two game weeks. And uh, people are scrambling to figure out how to get him in. And now you get a complete reprieve. The trouble is the violent conduct issue and Richarlison being out for two to three game weeks and his price will plummet. What's that going to do to your team value? Is it worth dumping him in order Mm -hmm. to maybe pick him up? at a cheaper price when all all is said and done. So uh, let's just jump into it. Richarlison, the original Premier League bad boy with his. Um, so if it, it's basically like a bunch of preschool kids got together to do um, an interpretation of Zidane's headbutt mm. in the World Cup final. Um, uh, FPL Xnade on Twitter asked what to do with Richarlison. Uh, a lot of other ways to to approach this, and Bison on Twitter, is benching Richarlison doable? FPL Devotee asks, uh, Richarlison place replacement, or do we stick? So there are, there are certain people out there making the case that uh, maybe we ride this out. Uh, as the Dork Lord mentions, maybe we want him a bit later. How do you justify actually keeping this guy, Dave? You've given mm-hmm. this some thought. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go full Dark Lord on you right now and talk about keeping. So the argument for keeping, he's actually only out two game weeks because they have a cup game, which counts towards the violent conduct. So he's back in two game weeks, and I think it's a fortnight, two weeks. So a player can only drop maximum 0.3 in a week. So worst case, he goes back to 6.5 which luckily I got him at um, at the end of this week. Could you drop another 0.1 from people who are in a coma for a week and just <laughs> and <then laughs> noticed the literal bus team? And then we're like, oh, shoot, I have to transfer this guy out. Um, nice. Possible. So the argument for is he's so cheap and you're like, I kind of want him back at that price point because that, that price bracket's a little, little light. So if I might lose... Well, it depends if you're Benjamin Franklin, a penny saved is a penny earned type guy. I don't know if you are, Brandon, but, you know, I'm... I, I, I know. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm spending wildly. I'm more of a Jordan Belfort type. Oh, I thought so. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so if we're going that way, I mean, I might lose, quote unquote, lose nothing because I get him 6'5". Okay. And I guess my thought experiment, blow your mind a little bit. I think I might have mentioned this on the first podcast I was on with you is... Let's assume that a transfer is worth four points, since that's what a hit's worth. Okay. That, that's a fair assumption. Yeah. So a transfer in and out is worth eight points, eight FPL points, right? That that makes sense. I'm with you. Yeah. So, math checks. Okay. Follow me. Yeah. So if instead of Richarlison, a lot of us can play Juan Bissaka, which is fortuitous. Okay. And he's got two good fixtures. He's got, what is it? Southampton at home, Huddersfield. So would transferring in, uh, you know, a Pedro or someone like that, is that going to get you eight more points in two weeks than Juan Bissaka? Which Uh, probably not. Yeah, probably not. I think that's a really interesting point. Uh, And and I do agree with you there that this transfer is all about short-term gains. It's like, okay... You've convinced me that Richarlison's plummeting in value could impact your overall team value. However, it's not like you're going to turn around and get Richarlison in at a a better price. 
So it kind of, as you're laying it out, Dave, it's not really impacting your team value in the grand scheme of things. The question for me is what's happening in the short term. And so the benchmark I have to beat now is eight points. And you also you also have Theo Walcott in your all Merseyside midfield. That's the other thing. I'm a little strange because I already have Walcott. And so I'm not, I didn't need to grab the, a lot of people grabbed him before his first price rise and Richarlison's first price drop, which is a smart move, which I would have done probably. So that's the other weird thing. Mm-hmm. It makes yeah. it remarkable too, right? That Everton's fixtures still remain exceptional. It's like I could yeah. see sitting on Richarlison if uh, you know they had a couple of lukewarm to difficult fixtures in the next two game weeks, but it's Huddersfield West Ham, two of the jankiest defenses in the entire league. And oh, I'm um, looking forward to playing I, Walcott for sure. Yeah, it's going to be good times. <laughs> yeah. So the other side of the argument is, while I, I don't discount what you're saying, the other side of the argument is to play fast, to play hard, to play aggressive. To, to get jump, points, which is and, the purpose of the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, while, uh, while the minus eight uh, overall benchmark makes sense to me, if you're making transfer one free transfer a week anyhow, and you're able to just freely transfer in points and then move back to Richarlison if and when you want to, uh, I think that, that it's still justifiable. Okay, so we've kind of answered the question of, or we've given presented two different cases for sticking or twisting with for Charleston. What do we do if we're actually moving him fantasy football forum as there's a lot of debate over potential Richarlison replacements after his red garden game week three, who do you guys fancy as the best mm-hmm. option? Matthew Hall says, would you bring in Pedro or Walcott? And I think those, those guys are kind of the like for like comparisons. And we can talk about Chelsea's fixtures versus Everton's. And uh, um, there, there is also another case to be made here. Do we need a like for like for Richarlison? Maybe we can actually downgrade Richarlison. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sumat Nakhtar on Twitter says, want to replace Richarlison with Ryan Frazier, who I think at this point is, mm-hmm. uh, what's he priced at? 5.6 5. 5. or 6, something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Five six, um, and you can use that money to make make a transfer that mm-hmm. um, has some upside, like Ryan Frazier, and then use that as uh, Gorky Shecker says, uh, subbing Richarlison so that they can upgrade Van Anholt mm-hmm. to Alonso. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're bringing in Ryan Fra- Frazier for a cheaper price point. Suddenly, boom, you've got enough money to turn uh, I don't know Kino or somebody like that into Alonso. So. <laughs> I don't know. There's just so many moving pieces here, and it's very much dependent on your team. I am definitely leaning toward uh, the aggressive style, and let's go for points where Charleston is on the outs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if the, this the, there's this is not something that's steeped in any data, but Charleston is a young player. He's an emotional player. He moves out on a red card. It's a bit of an embarrassment. Um, how quickly does he bounce back from that mentally? I've thought about that too, yeah. Right, yeah. right. I mean, remember the Richarlison narrative from last season. He loses his daddy, Marco Silva, uh, when he leaves Everton, Richarlison's spirit, or when he leaves Watford, mm-hmm. Richarlison's spirit also leaves Watford. So Richarlison is yet to sort of show us that he has the type of character that would... Re- that would um, 
that would show that he could bounce You mean back. one iota of mental strength? Yeah. I, <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, would have been exactly. nice to see. He wrote a nice little note on Twitter. It kind of gave me a flicker of hope. Like, it seemed like he wrote it, and it was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. Like, I let you guys down. So yeah. I, that was nice. The other argument, yeah. too, is when he comes back, he's playing Arsenal away, and that's not ideal. So you're kind of talking me into transferring him out. But now, but the <laughs> okay. only problem is I have, uh-huh. I mentioned before, I have Davis, I have Josh King, and Arnie. So that's that's a four pack yeah. of problems. So yeah, um, we can get to that. But I I mean we're recording this Monday night, Brandon. I mean there's only one replacement um, that anyone's thinking of, and that's Lucas Mora. I mean, come on. Yeah, the dude has he had an insane match against Manchester United. Also scored a brilliant goal against Fulham. And he's a player that I've kind of been lukewarm on. I mean, uh, obviously he was brought in early last season and he didn't really get a look. There's been quest- a lot of questions about rotation. Now it looks like Lamella did his hamstring. So maybe he is not a roadblock to Mora continually having starts. Uh, the, I mean, the the the, uh, the big specter is Hungman's son coming back from the Asian games at some point, but yeah, I, I think Lucas Mora is beats out for me. He definitely beats out Pedro. Same here for sure. No, no, no doubt. She's also 7.0. So not, I mean, it's, I was being a bit facetious. You need a little bit of money. So you need to do a double switch probably. Um, whereas Walcott's usually an even. Yeah. I, I actually have just enough money in the bank. Um, to do, uh, uh, I'll I'll have zero left in the bank if I do Richarlison to Lucas Mora, so that's on the table for Probably me. Probably have to do if, that if in the next you're... five minutes. <laughs> no, uh, <Yeah>. so, <laughs> we could pause the podcast if you want to do that transfer. So let me. Yeah, know. yeah, no, no, I'm I'm good. As I said, Jordan Belfort style money is not a not not an object to me. These mm-hmm. these pounds are all fun coupons. You can just me. hop on the phone and and pick up another point two if you, whenever you want. So that's good. Oh, I'm going to use Dogecoin to uh, <laughs> to actually buy Lucas Mora. Um, yeah, so so even though Chelsea's fixtures uh, look look pretty decent with Bournemouth, Cardiff, and West Ham coming up, yeah, I think Lucas Mora is just incredible form, and and Spurs do still have uh, these fixtures coming up. Watford, Liverpool, though that is a, a, a whole a quote home match for them. Uh, then Brighton after that. Uh, I don't know. Actually, when you, when you look at the fixtures, could you actually make? Why, why are you agreeing with me that Pedro is a no go? Um, I mean, Hazard's back, and I just feel like he'll have less touches just because of that. If anything, all right, that 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 that's the shrewdest argument you'll ever make on this podcast, Dave. <laughs> Fair play. All right, see it. <laughs> it's great having me. Um, see you later. Bye. <laughs> right. That was great. That's great. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Would you consider a Jota transfer, though? Uh, Zoltan Vago asks. So Jota. Too soon. um, Too soon. Too soon. That is way too raw in in all of us. No no bringing up Jota yet. We're in in at least a four week hiatus. You can't say the word Jota. It's just too soon for me. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I like the shout, Zoltan, just because Wolverhampton were were looked sensational they looked on fire against manchester mm-hmm. city though they uh, without scoring goals i mean the only person to score a goal was one of their center backs with his hand but jota um he didn't get subbed at halftime congrats, pro congrats. For him. 
but still, still no true blue attacking points from him other that than that foul in, in game yeah. week one that led props led to, to a, props a to Wolverhampton. Goal. I mean, when you and Josh make your uh, trip to the UK, man, that looked like a stadium that would be great to visit. It's like built into a mountainside or hillsides, like walkable. Like the colors of the kits and the fans. I mean, it looks. I mean, it, it was a great atmosphere. Props to those fans. Oh, yeah. definitely. And the name of the the name of the grounds, the Molyneux. It just yeah, sounds Molyneux. so yeah. incredible. It's like, did you go to like the you know south of France? <laughs> the south yeah. of France. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Barnon, Barnon, side sidebar, sidebar, Barnon. Those are the best. Wolves home kits are the best kits in the entire league. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Spurs fan, but I would 100 by that jersey. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, what do they what do they call that? Uh, um, an ombre on those kits, the like Spurs? faded uh, color gradient. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. It's it's my my FPL team name this year. Full disclosure is a bad year for kits. I I hate a lot of. Don't kits United this year. have the ombre too? It was like double ombre. It was it was weird. <laughs> it's exactly, horrible. Exactly. I hate Nike kits. Don't even get me started. It's just I mean the one thing you come to Nike, it's like okay, simple, plain, clean minimal yeah, and then yeah. it's like what are you doing Ugh, it's really depressing the manchester city kit is is that to a t where they've got the weird the this fad blousey collar and they just decided to put a little henley button on it, it it's nonsense it's complete nonsense all right dave, dave let's let's move away from the nonsense and let's move to what's really getting us all the points it's the fullbacks i named this section back a fullback Maybe three. Josh trademarked this the year of the fullback. Ian Stimson chimes in. Is Alonzo essential? Like minus eight essential because that's what it need. So uh, and Tommy chimes in. Is Alonzo a must own? I already have Mendy and Rabo. Here is the uh, the template that is emerging. Basically, the midfield and forward template is exploding in front of us. But this uh, Mendy Robertson Alonzo as uh, Debendu Mukherjee, sorry, Debendu, I totally uh, butchered your name there, points out, is the triple up of Mendy Robertson and Alonzo a better idea than owning mid-priced midfielders like Mickey, Bernardo Silva, and Pedro? So uh, defense, we're both kind of heavily spent in the defense. Are you looking at, Mm. however, preface, neither Mm -hmm. of us have Alonzo. Where are you with Alonzo, Dave? Are you you feeling the itch, or are we going to try and ride this out? It's going to drive me insane. I I can't even. Uh, I, when and when you brought up this question, we were talking about the pod, and I was like, man, I I don't even know what to say. I mean, is it sustainable? I mean, you have to say no because you he's already gotten half the bonus points he got all of last year he's gotten more assists already than he's gotten all of last year you're like getting a defender who's like a merchant at getting pulled down in the box it's like what what like is i don't know what that is he's Um, like the wilfred zaha but in fullback exactly yeah exactly he is the zaha fullback defender of the year so it's like that's not sustainable. But then the flip side is, was Sala sustainable last year? Like, no, you just. Kept, we believe not. Yeah. <laughs> he just pretty sure he kept just doing his thing. Um, <laughs> I looked at like some of the heat maps just before the pod. And I mean, he is getting farther up even than last year, which is pretty amazing. He has like double the yeah. touches in the final third this year. 
which is pretty amazing. But all the other other underlying stuff is pretty much in line. So mm-hmm. you would think you would go on a classic Alonzo, you know, month and a half cold streak. Um, but yeah. as we talked about, you mentioned, Brandon, Chelsea are playing Cardiff in two weeks. That's like lockdown guaranteed clean sheet. So if you get yeah. Alonzo and you're getting at least one clean sheet in the next two weeks, maybe not Bournemouth, but it's just, it's just, it's painful. I mean, you, I mean, I, he's just killing it. So bring him in, I guess. I mean, is the answer, right? I mean, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Now let, let me put it, this, let it, let me put it to you this way. So our Arnatovich at 7 million uh, last season uh, went on a pretty good run of goal scoring. He finished on 144 points. Uh, Arnatovich priced at 7 million, which is still, even after two price rises for Alonzo, 0.3 more than Alonzo at 6.7. Last season, Alonzo finished on 165 points. The season prior finished on 177 points. Now, uh, past returns aren't a guarantee of what's going to happen this season. I would also say that, sure, he's already on four assists, which is double what he had in the entirety of last season. But what that says to me is if we're going to average this out out over the course of the season, he's definitely going to have more than four assists by the time um, somebody lifts that Premier League trophy. So uh, there are more, even though he's seemingly maxed out, there are still more points for him to come. And this is huge value um, for any type of attacking return, if you're looking at Lucas Mora, if you're looking at Arnatovich, if you're looking at Callum Wilson, he is he is probably beating all of those guys out in terms of what kind of returns he's going to have this season. I, I think uh, for the two of us, we are both Van Dyke owners. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and and you know we're going to hammer this home. You're the fullback. What are we doing with CBs? And Van Dyke is definitely, while he's been solid as a rock, and I I am here for your arguments to keep Van Dyke. Um, that steady these these fullbacks are not going to ceaselessly get attacking returns. Um, so Van Dyke's do a Van goal. Dyke he's is, do a goal. Whatever, I don't care. But <laughs> you know, Robertson, he's creating so many chances that he's stealing the bonus from him, which is absurd. Cause you think the bonus, you know, they always yeah. said on the, you know, FPL towers, like, Oh, you know, you know, blocks, interceptions and you know, whatever it is, is like the building blocks of the bonus. It's like, no, not when Robertson's <laughs> going bananas, like creating like four chances a game. So that, that was a 50, 50 that went wrong. Say yeah. the same with Benjamin Mendy. Uh, he finished on two bonus point in, in a game in which he, from an oh FPL God. perspective, didn't do a whole lot, but he he create he was creating a lot of chances, and that's where his his baseline BPS came from. And uh, I think that's where we ultimately just have to shift away from the center backs here. Yeah. And if I, I I think I'm kind of having to face this decision of to move on Richarlison or to move on Van Dyke, and with the Liverpool double up for me in defense. It's really paid dividends for me the last three weeks. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're on three clean sheets. And it's a great time to hop um, off with the fixtures coming up. So they got uh, Spurs, Chelsea, City in the next five. So yeah, and yeah. then that's going to free me up to get another Liverpool attacker, looking at Mane or Firmino. So I feel like that's a pretty good move for me. But um, just going back to this idea of CBs. Um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, Andy Anderson asks, how good are Spurs center backs? Jan and Toby, the best duo in the league. They look pretty decent today. You know, there are a couple of points of which Toby kind of was thinking about other teams that he could be playing for. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, VJ Sarathi on Twitter chimes in, Mustafi is a cheap differential at 5.4. Odds on FPL uh, asks, with Chelsea's run of fixtures, is it worth bringing in Louise for Shaw? Um, Shaw keeping his starting place, but I think what, what I'm, the, the point I'm trying to make bringing up all these questions is we really have to focus on the fullbacks and that while not all these fullbacks are priced and are as premium as Benjamin Mendy or Andy Robertson, this is where we see the league heading right now. And the FPL heading right now is all the points are with the fullbacks. So I don't think, I mean, the question is, do do you have four? I mean, that's like the, like three is like a must, like that's just a no brainer. Four is like a lot of people are like, shouldn't four? It's like, then you get into a little bit of a heady territory, but um, I could see the argument. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. uh, Can I go back to one thing? Please, one, one please thing. go for it, Dave. Yeah. Uh, Mustafi, a cheap differential at 5-4. Is the point one to Bellerin? Is that is that really a make or break? I mean, <laughs> yeah. geez. I mean, also just point out, speaking of Bellerin, this, and this is another sort of out of the box thing I'm looking at instead of Alonzo, if I want to, how painful I want this year to be for me in fantasy. Bellerin, <laughs> the, or Arsenal, Cardiff, banker clean sheet. Yeah. Newcastle. Everton at home, Watford at home, Fulham away. So pretty, yeah, those are you know, nice fixtures. So to get in on the Arsenal run with some defensive fullback. Bellerin oh, very tasty. all over the how, place. So How are you going to make the decision, though, between uh, Bellerin and Nacho Monreal? The goal scorer supreme, back oh. at it again. Yeah, if if Disco Stu, if these trends continue with Monreal, he'll be leading, he'll win the golden boot. <laughs> so I get on it. Yeah, get on early. Yeah. These Spanish nothing. fullbacks, Alonso and Monreal, uh, uh, both just just legends. Monreal has scored every single one of his goals from that exact spot in the eighteen yard box. So what, <laughs> what? What a what a true legend! Oh, I just wanted full, to. Oh, sorry. Speaking of like speaking of like defensive goals, did you actually see the McGuire goal? Um, it was, yeah, I did. It was I bizarre. did. Um, it was that's one where the keeper is like, you know what? Just gotta say, didn't see it. Yeah, no, I was like, because I saw the alert. So we're watching at my friend's place and I just had the alert on my phone. It's like, oh, Maguire goal, Maguire yellow card, excessive celebration. I'm like, oh, you can picture Uh you're like, oh, he got the header and then he ran in the crowd. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. Slaphead ran the crowd. And then like, look, the replay, I'm like, slow motion, double nutmeg, like, (laughs) ball, like out of the. (laughs) Slow roller into the. Now, so here's uh, a question for you, D-Wags, and the entire audience. Uh, we should do a poll here. What is the what is the breaking point of – it was a slow roller, but once it's a slow roller from that far out, because of how f- the distance out it was, does that still justify taking off his shirt? Does distance trump all? Mm, uh, I think I think McGuire. I think you just have to go back to – legend status i mean he can do whatever he wants that's he deserve it i mean you're a boston you're a boston sports fan i just mm-hmm. love uh likening mcguire to tom brady just like running out of the pocket trying to figure out what to do with the ball and sometimes he'll throw a touchdown pass and sometimes he'll just kick it out of bounds 
you just broke my brain with that comparison. Um, I'll take it. They're both great, great, great men that I that I would love to have a beer with. So I'll go with that. Although Tom doesn't drink, I think maybe one beer a year. But um, you know, avocado ice cream, um, whatever he wants. But yeah, two two good lads. All right, so we need to round out this game week three fallout section with kind of a messy uh, area, which is I've, I've titled "Dude, Where's My Attack?" So I feel like so many of my points so far this season have come from a an attacking captain in Sala or Aguero and B my defenders. And it is a bit of a, a wheel of chance where your other midfield and attacking goals are coming from. I mean, I understand that Zaha and Arnatovic are posting fairly consistent through through three game week returns for what we would expect from them, but they're, they're not coming through with big bonus and um, the, the teams aren't supporting mm-hmm. them and such. So we, we have a lot to talk about in, in other places we can go to sort of shore up our attacking points. Larry Bow on Twitter says, thoughts on if Hazard is worth the price. You're going to sense a theme here, Dave. <laughs> Danny Bean on our Slack says, is Eden rising from the depths to join my team? And Nav also on Slack just asks, Hazard? Question mark. So we have a few other attackers that we want to touch upon, but uh, it's Hazard's week um, coming off of a classic oil painting perfect uh, penalty as he's down to strike. Mm. But do we have to continue to have the same old discussion with Hazard? uh, We have to resurface all the pain that he's caused us in the past, but we have to convince ourselves that that's behind us and... um, he, it's coming. It's coming for his. I think, or or the more reasonable argument of the fixtures are there. Get him while he's on good form, and now is the time. And then get off him when he goes cold. Yeah, I, I mean, and the other thing is, it's just sorry ball. It's just you just say the word sorry ball, and you're just like, yes, I'm in. Like hazard in sorry ball. Like that's all I can. Uh-huh. The other thing is, I'm I'm totally biased because. I didn't watch the Chelsea game. I just watched match of the day highlights. So I missed the 40 minutes of them just passing it around the midfield and doing absolutely nothing. And I just saw the highlights. (laughs) I'm like, Hazard, best Uh player in the league. He's so good. Oh, he's a magician. Like, look at him go. So I'm, I'm jealous of all teams that have Hazard. Now I have way too many problems to be thinking about switching him in, but I would, I, he's a, he's a captain shout this week. We'll get to that later, but yeah, I, I mean, I think he is worth it. He's captainable. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I and I feel the issue with him is he's kind of up there with. Uh, you can really only get Hazard in at this point. I, I feel if you're on wild card, because uh, I, I think we're definitely advocating for extending yourself in the defense, and you're you're gonna have to have Aguero uh, or Kane or Aubameyang up front for the upcoming fixtures. And given you have Salah in the midfield, it's it's a really tough proposition without full-on team surgery for a number of us to get Hazard in. I mean, maybe you're sitting on Sadio Mane. But would, is there any part of you that would consider moving Mane if you found the, the cash to move Mane to Hazard? Oh, yeah, 100%. I've had like sort of like a Mane out lingering strategy like i'm sort of waiting for it especially as the fixtures turn money is the manager of manchester united now what's going on (laughs) 
Jose out, Mane out. Um, sorry, Joe. Now t- talk to me about this. What's what's your what's your deal with Mane? Um, no, he's good. I mean, he's basically like a center forward, <laughs> which you, which is which is a good thing. Typically, he's almost a little too isolated. Actually, he was almost like the center forward on an island at certain points. I felt like watching the game. Um, but no, he's a bit overperforming. I mean, he's really good. I don't have a problem with him. I would just say it's just the fixtures turning. Um, I feel like the double pool midfield with those fixtures is not ideal. And I could see hazard going on a little run. So I just, it's just the inkling. I just feel like could pay off. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a few, uh, itchy trigger fingers out there too. Vinyl Richie on the slack says uh, with a few sort of tough fixtures for Liverpool, three might be one too many. Hmm. Who would you sell for ha- uh, Hazard? Is it Mane or is it Sala? This is pre wildcard, by the way. Also, uh, Skane Pagan uh, chiming in on Twitter. Is it worth keeping Salah with his enormous price tag after the game against Leicester when they play Spurs away, Chelsea away, City at home, and Arsenal away in the following seven game weeks? Um, Salah, I I feel like it's just a bridge too far, and maybe it's just because I have um, FPL community brain that I cannot entertain the thought of moving off of Salah. We're on the same page there, yeah. I just... Yeah, okay. that's the easiest advice and, you can give him. And, you're, like, you're like, nah, keep solid. Yeah. And I don't, for, for everyone listening to the pod, I'm sure a lot agree, but I don't want us to come off of, off as a dismissive. There are many different ways to play the game, and uh, it, can, it, can, it can really turn on a dime. But the just looking at this, just because his uh, performance over the last three game weeks, this is Salah's performance, isn't like truly explosive the way we saw over the course of 38 game weeks last season. He is still performing, uh, uh, getting attacking returns in the first three game weeks. There's no reason for you to feel any slight concern no. about and Salah. He, so, yeah, yeah I think we he, can, and he ticks he, along. That's uh, we were just talking about this. I think in the slag, it's like it's not just that he's like might end up probably will end up the top score in FPL again, I think probably. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just that he ticks yeah. along at such a consistent pace that that makes him valuable because it's not like a hazard or Alonzo situation where you have to jump on, jump off or, you know, at the right time. So I, that makes him more valuable to me. I know. Just a few other attacking players to touch upon here. Mike DiPietro says, stand tough on Aubameyang. I feel like he's going to deliver soon, but the temptation to move him to someone like Zaha and Spurge elsewhere is strong. We have a question that I, I slotted in the lightning round, but let's just push it up here. Uh, the question comes from Mitchell Bathurst. Are Arsenal players a trap? Uh, so Arsenal are just completely confusing. I mean, I'm sitting on Ozil and Mkhitaryan oh, right now. And I, yeah. even though their fixtures are delightful, I, I do feel like a bit of a chump. And, you know, the narrative surrounding Ozil, I feel like it, it goes one of two ways. Either he continues to be an outcast and he continues to suffer from this terrible <laughs> disease. Oh, my God, Dave, you're breaking my heart. A prayer for Owen Meany. Um, but... Uh, Arsenal, I feel like if you're not on Arsenal, what, I, I, I don't think we can recommend going to Arsenal. But if you're, if you're Mike, do you stick with Aubameyang when you see so many of these luminaries of the tag? I like the Zaha Fire. shout. I mean, like those fixtures for Palace. I think we mentioned Southampton, Huddersfield, Newcastle, Bournemouth, Wolves. I mean, great run for attack. I, I like that shout. And 
I don't get Arsenal either. I like I, we were talking before the pod. I, I watched that full game, and I was left more confused than ever. I'm like, why isn't Lacazette starting? What like what's going on with these? Guys? I don't. I don't. It just doesn't make <laughs> sense. And I mean, Aubameyang should be scoring, but he's been a bit unlucky. But I don't think he's worth. 11 i mean clearly so arsenal are reminding me a little bit of fulham right now whereas uh fulham had the same manager but they have a ton of new players and they're still they're trying to figure it out that way but they are capable of of great play great fluid play and great attack arsenal are a bit of the same even though they have a number of players that bedded in last season they have a new manager so it it will be a, ver, a a journey of discovery for both FPL managers and real life Arsenal mm, players. You're making the, me rethink the, the Bellerin shot right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Last player we have to talk about is um, Harry Kane, mm. who had a goal and an assist against United today. At twelve point five, is is it starting to get to the point where we need to think about this man? Mm. He's just full on uh, doing what he wants, scoring when he wants in August. Mm. I've always made this easy on myself. And I just said, no, just, I, you know, I'm a Spurs fan, you know, and I'm just like, Kane now just too much and inconsistent. You don't know what you're getting. And you look absolutely knackered after the world cup. But then I was just looking just for fun. Cause the question came up. I noticed when Liverpool, after Southampton, they play Chelsea away and then City. Those two games, the Spurs play Huddersfield, Cardiff. And then after those two games, Liverpool play Huddersfield and Cardiff. So <laughs> it's like, man, that would be tasty going from Kane, like switching Salah to Kane and Kane to Salah for those two two pack of games each. That would that would be really cool. But I, I think that that would probably kill you um, in the end. But yeah, yeah. I, I, so it's a no for One, me, but I mean, Aguero is, is enough for me. But yeah, man. it feels crazy to argue that Kane is a differential. And uh, I was thinking, well, maybe you can make that argument. 28% ownership, though, it's it's far below Aguero's ownership of 47.6. That's absurd. But, um, <laughs> wow. He, he's never that high last year, was he? I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think a lot of people just were forced to bring in Aguero after that. Mm. Uh, after that uh, hat trick against um, Huddersfield. So I don't think that the team ownership tells us anything, um, particularly if you're like, well, maybe I'll get a leg leg up over Aguero owners by bringing Kane in. I think we're still at the point where Aguero is going to be matching Harry Kane. Um, so it's a long play for me, Harry Kane. Yeah, I, think we, yeah. I think we're still waiting for the right time to bring him this, in. The, yeah, the smart move is just keep Salah 55% ownership, Aguero 50% ownership. I think that's that's the that's the smart yeah. move for now. All right, that's the fallout of Game Week 3. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to come back, and Dave is going to impart some wisdom in our inaugural section, Strategy with Dave, or Strategy with Richard, mm. should I call it? <laughs> Let's take a minute to talk about our friends at Starting 11. Dave, when FPL just stresses you out, you're planning for the long term, you wish you could have every player, you wish you could get Hazard in, but you can't fit him in because you don't have the budget for it. 
Starting 11 has got you covered because there is no budget, Dave. And you can have any team you want any day in which you play Starting 11 because it's daily fantasy. So Starting 11, again, it's cash games that are live in the UK, the US, Canada, and Germany for your iOS. And you can now play free games anywhere on your Android device. Just go to the iOS App Store or the Android Google Play Store to download the app today. Again, it's Daily Fantasy. You can play any day in which there are two or more Premier League games happening. You have no budget. Set your lineup. You can adjust that lineup right up until the time of kickoff. If the team sheets come out and you uh, you miss the trick, you can, you can make tweaks at no cost right up to kickoff. While the games are playing out live, you get live points so you can see how you're doing against your competitors. And you get three in-game substitutions. So, so the game goes, you can change your squad accordingly. If somebody goes off with a substitution, make your own substitution in your starting 11 squad. If somebody's not performing and you think somebody else has a goal in them there you go you are the manager on the sideline so uh when you fire up the starting 11 app you can play with strangers you can challenge your friends just straight through the app they get a push notification also mini leagues are coming to the starting 11 app soon uh, and that's going to be an amazing way to uh continue to play with friends uh, through this uh, daily fantasy app so visit starting11.io or your favorite app store for more information and uh, stay tuned next week. We're actually going to be airing an interview with uh, Starting 11 co-founder Thomas Braun, and he's going to catch us up on what's new with Starting 11. Welcome back, and it is time for Strategy with Dave. Dave, you're one of the greatest fantasy mm-hmm. managers I've ever mm-hmm. talked to mm-hmm. on this podcast. Full stop. So I thought we, we, could, take, we could take a few minutes and run through a little lightning round of uh, big strategy questions with you. Get your, get your thoughts. All right, listen, a lot of people wildcarded going into Game Week 3. We, we got a lot of data through Game Weeks 1 and 2. People uh, pushed the button, triggered the wildcard. And now a lot of us who didn't do that, we're seeing even more um, templates exploding, more assets that we covet. Um, wildcard. When? Where, how, and why? We have a question from Just Gabriel. I have a decent team I'm happy with, but I'm considering a wild card in order to easily bring in key players that may become unaffordable if a wild card is used later. Uh, another question comes from David Rowe. How many wannabe changes are your minimum requirements for a team to be considered ripe for a wild card? And uh, Juan uh, Egedos on our Slack, do you have a wild card week in mind already? And the last question on wild cards is from Ishan Ghosh. I joined the FPL a week down, so in game week two. And I'm keen on jumping up on everyone. So how long do I hold my wild card for? So neither of us have triggered a wild card. Uh, do you have a sense of when you might play it, or are you not there yet? Personally, um, I'm, I, I'm not there. I Like I said, I have the um, always cheating two free transfer rule. Um, I can't wild card this week, so uh, I'm going to hold at least a week or two, I think. Um, but you could see yourself playing it. Uh, it wouldn't be unconscionable just strategically to play it in game week five or six. You wouldn't feel like that was too soon oh no no i i played in game week two and got you know top 30k the first year i played so i mean there's definitely a use to it i mean it's sort of one of those 
You know, with that definition, when they talk about the definition of pornography, you know, I don't, I can't explain it, but I know it when I see it kind uh-huh. of thing. That's uh-huh. like wild uh-huh. card. It's, it's, you know, I can't tell you the number of transfers or what exactly the tipping point is, but you kind of know it when you see it. You're like, it's wild card time. But I guess I'll make one point. This is strategy with Dave. I'll say one thing, like from my observation of you know talking to people and on on the Slack and Twitter, I tend to f- I find that about ninety percent of the time, maybe maybe a little high, maybe eighty ninety percent, people are a little too aggressive, and they should kind of take a step back and play a little more close to the vest or save it a little yeah. longer. Yeah. Um, so that's my default advice for anything. <laughs> Sometimes I just try to do this. My my default is just like no, no. No, yeah, just <laughs> like just chill. Yeah, exactly. So most, of, but then again, there is something to be said for um, once your team reaches that tipping point where you don't have a starting eleven. <laughs> speaking of, um, or you know, you really, really in your gut feel that Hazard's about to break out because you watch the yeah. game and you really want him in. You want to reconfigure. You got to play with your gut. Um, that's the only way that really the game makes you happy yeah. and not I, makes I, you suicidal. So, uh, yeah, I, it's a little bit gut play, too. I agree with you. I think it is a, it is not an either or. Like, it, it is an either you want to reconfigure to get that player in or you have a bunch of injury suspensions. Mm-hmm. For me, that tipping point comes with when it's a combination of both where um, to just covet another team, Dave, that's a sin. Okay, and just acknowledge it's a sin and move on with the team that you have with the uh, with the life that you have and be happy with it. But if it's a combination of you wanting to reconfigure, plus you have some injuries to take care of, I think that's that for me is the tipping point. That's when the nipple makes its first appearance. Mm -hmm. And I know Mm -hmm. and I know what it is. Mm -hmm. All right. Next question is uh, team value. Is this a thing? FPL Chancer on Twitter asks, how much is the market swaying your decisions of the season? If at all, it seems so much more volatile. Brian Moss also asks, I've been playing FPL for several years and still don't have a good strategy for dealing with price rises and falls. Any best practices, thoughts on building team value? This is always a huge talking point early in the season, Mm -hmm. and then it kind of fades away. And then when we all play our big wild card around game week 34, we wish that we had an extra 0.2, 0.4 in the bank to make that move that would really clinch a beautiful double game week team. So all the work for me uh, in team value goes in early in the season. Um, and I, I guess I think the if if that's the way you want to play, I think you have to be on the ball early in the season and it becomes less volatile as the season goes on. That said, Dave, do, do we really need to focus on the price valuations? We were talking about this with Richarlison, or do we just need to be focused on where are the points? Yeah. We'll figure out the team value later. This is, this is a t- you're hitting me in a very sensitive time for me in FPL because I'm really struggling with this myself. So I feel, I feel you guys, Brian and Dan, um, is a tough question for me because at the end of the year, doesn't it feel like no matter what you do, everyone has like 101.8 in 102.2 <laughs> like everyone's like everyone ends up like within it's like oh the difference between having this one fullback and this other fullback and it's not really that big of a deal and then if you look at like the top 
like 10 overall players in the world, their team value is like barely above 100. So my thought process going to this year and typically is it's, it's an overrated thing. It's, it's something we take too much into consideration um, especially with the early transfers that said I did one last week and it paid off. But um, I feel uh, this goes back to wild carding too. Um, and a lot the really, not me, but the actual really, really good FPL players who are consistently top 100 K they value the information. So waiting until Friday, waiting another week till wild card, you have so much more information and that pays dividends over the next two, three, four, ten 10 weeks. So and saves transfers and has a cascading effect. So I've been trying to stand pat like this week. I've resigned to myself. I need to wait till Friday to know what happens to Arnie. Cause that will choose what I do for Charleston and everyone else. And you know what transfers I make. So yeah. Right. It, it, yeah. I, I just, just to jump in Dave, I think that's a good point in terms of more data and that, that bears fruit late on the se- in the season. So I was joking around about if you if you sit on your thumb and don't make money now, you're not going to have enough money to do what you want later on the season. But what you do have, regardless later on the season, is so much data and so much information on where value lies in FPL. So it's much easier for you to make uh, value moves where you don't have the team value you want, you will still have options. So I don't hundred percent. I, yeah. I don't like the idea that you're clo- you're closing doors, not making moves mm-hmm. early on. Yeah, it's season, definitely right? and I get it because you see the sites that have the things and there's like FOMO, you know, fear missing out and you're like, oh I'm gonna lose money. And it's a you know, it's like one of those like economic like loss effect things that you fear losses more than you like gain type situation. So I get it. Um but yeah, I would try to hold on more. I mean, the one thing is if you know you want Walcott and he's going up and Richarlison's going down on the same day, that's typically kind of a good thing to do. It's like a nice little like swing there you can you can sort of bounce off of. But I'd say overall, like to people listening, if your inkling is should I do it or should I not, the answer is probably no. It's <laughs> just probably at least wait. So I'll, I'll leave it with that. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. This this is an interesting question that comes from Harry Haslam. It's a big picture question that I'm not sure we can fully do justice to on this episode without like actually uh, going and writing a thesis about it. Harry Haslam asks, maybe something to spend some time on is uh, in your FPL career, what successes have you had bringing in players because of their performance and stats rather than big points hauls? And also what failure failures, what separates the two and how can we make better choices? So what Harry's asking is, um, if you're in the FPL community, you're reading articles, you're listening to podcasts, you're hearing people talk about, well, so-and-so stats were off the charts. He's definitely on the watch list. Um, but then your, your head is turned by players who come in with huge point hauls where maybe the stats don't back them up. They're, they're more flare flash players. And has it borne out that one is better than other, uh, another? And I think this is kind of a mm-hmm. Christian Erickson question, right? Where, um, like, the least sexy FPL player in recent memory, but consistently in the top five performing midfield midfielders always. And that is just the hardest advice to take and stick to. This season is no exception. The first three game weeks, Erickson only has one assist to show for his efforts. 
Um, but I think we can still we can guarantee we'll be in the top 10 midfielders. We can virtually guarantee in the top five. Um, so for me, it's a balance, Harry, of you're, you're, you need to differentiate. You need to put bets down on the stats guys that you know you're not going to have to move. You're only making, what, like 40 to 45 if you're, if you're taking a lot of hits, transfers over the course of the season, you're going to need players that are stats guys, that are performance guys that you're not going to have to move, whether those are budget guys on the margins or big hitters like Sala. But you, that's where you will find that you will jump up into the higher echelons of overall rank is if you know when to hop on and hop off of those big form mm-hmm. player guys. Like Perea, I guess, mm-hmm. is an example. Except he has terrible pictures. But yeah, he looked legit. Actually, and that would be my one point. That's a good point is, and this is not breaking new ground, but I think it's a healthy combination of the eye test and checking the underlying stats. And I think that's when it really comes together a lot of times and when hopping on and off a guy uh, pays off. So if the, under, if the underlying stats backs it up and you in eye test, you see he's lively, but maybe didn't get quite the returns. So like, for instance, if you saw, I saw Walcott, you know, he got a goal, but then he was watching the highlights and, oh, he could have had one, he could have had two. Um, it's like, oh, he's 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 a good player. So that's one of the re- main reasons I brought him in. And he had good underlying stats. So uh, I would say pretty obvious, I guess, but a lot of resources out there. So, but keep on top of all the, all the information there. Sounds good. All right, Dave, that was your strategy corner. You dispensed some, a massive amount oh. of wisdom. This should be a Patreon oh. exclusive. Yeah, it should be. I, I mean, it wouldn't be as good as the live draft <laughs> podcast, but you know, right up there. <laughs> oh, God, no, le- legendary <laughs> terrible pod. All right, uh, a few other quick hits here for a lightning round. These are actual uh, like uh, questions we need to know answers to going into game week four. Aldo Calderon on Twitter asked, thoughts on having a Brighton player in the starting 11 a defender, a gross, perhaps. Liked how they played against Liverpool, plus they have good fixtures. My issue with uh, Brighton, Dave, is that uh, as as solid as their defense looks, they can't keep clean sheets. And as solid as gross looks, he's still kind of, for me, the definition of a mid-priced midfielder. And at $7 million, uh, he's out of my view particular particular based on our Richarlison discussion. Did we um, Gross. did you know figure out why he was dropped? Why he didn't start the last game? I all I read was like it was weird yeah. or something. I don't know. Yeah, there was some discussion from some Brighton fans, I think I saw on Reddit regarding this. And the issue that Chris Hewton has is that Gross is is really their only uh creative number ten. And they have to, whatever they have to do, they have to keep him healthy for the entire season. And if that, and, and he has to get rested. Last season, I think he started yeah. every game, but he would get dragged off around the 65th minute. Keep him healthy, keep him wrapped in cotton wool. He's the only way that they're going to be able to possibly score a goal against the likes of Manchester United on that day. Or I'm, I'm sorry, on Liverpool on that day. Uh, that's my under. That's my rudimentary. I thought you were going with that. I thought you were just like, oh, they're just doing a Ewing theory. They just didn't take out the best player and assume they're going to get better. <laughs> I was like, okay, that could work. I guess <laughs> you you mistook me. You mistook me as an NBA fan, yeah. Dave, and I I really respect I, that. Wait, Thank is this not Phil Simmons' that. podcast? <laughs> yeah, I have another axe to grind with uh, with Pascal Gross, though. 
he's taken two penalties, one at the end of last season and that one against Manchester United that De Gea almost saved. He's really he's really asking to have every single penalty he takes saved. So it, that's another thing that worries mm. me as a gross. Yeah, it's honor. nothing worse than a bad penalty taker. But Brighton are like, as a team, yeah. they're feisty. They they're not like uh, when a pushover, you know. So just consider that when you're thinking of captains and stuff. They're they play as like a team. They're um, so, but I don't know about FPL assets. I would stay away probably. Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm with you. All right, Jason Hughes asks pros and cons of changing Firmino to Morata worth a punt now i'm not jason i'm not worth i'm not going to consider this idea of turning firmino into Murata. i think that's kind of insane i think jason does raise an interesting point of what's up with Murata. we talked about two key chelsea assets it's hazard and alonzo and i think we came to the conclusion that pedro is getting pushed to the margins because he's going to see less of the ball because of Hazard. You could maybe argue that Hazard is going to open up the play and create more opportunities for Pedro. But Murata is, for me, he's a foreign player. Mm -hmm. uh, And though he scored a a pretty decent goal against Arsenal, there's no form that I can see there. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not happening. Can I throw a a metaphor at you? Or maybe it's a simile is a, Oh yeah. I love metaphors. A a coworker. uh, We were out last week and he's a Chelsea fan. He said, uh, this is for the baseball fans out there, by the way. Morata is the JD Drew of the Premier League. I was like, that is that is perfect. He's got all the tools. He's completely uh-huh. invisible for ninety percent of the games, but he'll win you a handful of games a year with a grand slam or or a couple goals or something. He just has no confidence, but he has all the tools, and that makes him a slightly below average striker on a very good team. So. I don't like him. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate, I hate athletes who are underperforming like that. It just drives me nuts. Yeah. So I, I mean, if you're looking for a Firmino replacement, I don't, I don't know. I would probably downgrade or something. But and yeah, I would have to look at your team. But yeah, I would stay. With yeah, I, the only reason look at Hazard, get Hazard in. Yeah, that that sounds good. The only reason to down, the only reason to get rid of Firmino, right, is to downgrade him and for money. So yeah, Firmino's good. I mean, I shouldn't. Yeah, Firmino. I mean, he's a good player to hold too. He's been um, unlucky, so he's not terrible to hold. But with those fixtures coming up, I would agree that uh, an exit strategy might be a good good look there. All right, last question comes from Hannah FPL underscore Hannah. With extra cash being spent on premium fullbacks, are there any budget keepers we should consider on wildcard? This is our opportunity, Dave, to mention Melissa Etheridge, Neil Etheridge from Cardiff. This guy is a uh, total legend, two clean sheets, two penalty saves. Mm-hmm. He is leading all GKs with 28 points, but pump the brakes. <laughs> Look at these fixtures for I Cardiff. Saw. It is, it is, it's wild, right? Arsenal, Chelsea, City, Burnley, Spurs, Fulham, Liverpool. So it was fun knowing it, Etheridge. I think he's a class goalkeeper. Um, I do wonder if he's going to, uh, emerge in you know the coming seasons as you know like a Nick Pope sort of guy who gets moved to a mid-table team and, uh, yeah. and really does become an option. Yeah. But it feels like he's going to get slaughtered in FPL. Congratulations, in the, in the number month. one most transferred in goalkeeper, fifty thousand transfers in. Congratulations on that! <laughs> Amazing. 
Yeah, uh, 4.5 goalkeepers. Uh, neither of us are on a rotation, and I think that's been really dicey thus far. I think it, the rotating GK is going to get better as, as the season goes. I'm still standing by my preseason pick of Rui Patricia. Uh, it's so, I, was, I was about to say the same thing. I was like, it's one of those things like, are we sure the Wolves are bad defensively? I, th- I just think they've been a little bit unlucky, right? Yeah. And, Tough yeah. Pictures, so I think he'll become good. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And uh, uh, beyond that, go with God. All right. This brings us to our game week four preview. We're going to run through these fixtures and talk about who to captain in game week four, as much as we could say. Um, there's a huge uh, Saturday, chock full of fixtures coming up. And the first one is our first captain dilemma. It's Leicester and Liverpool to start off Saturday morning. Uh, how are you feeling about Mo Salah going in? into this away fixture against Leicester going up against old Slabhead, <laughs> I feel solid. I mean, Leicester are good. Um, I feel decent about Sala. Um, you're probably gathering that I'm not going to captain him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> based on my tone of voice, the hesitation but, is, um, is really revealing yeah. Dave. I'm, uh, I'm not downgrading him, uh, this week. Uh, I have other problems. So Sala will be starting, um, probably firmly my vice. So, I don't, I don't, I I think he's number two on the bookies goal scoring odds. So I think he'd still be a, a good captain shout, good form. So would not, would not hate a captain here though. So. All right. Let, let, we could run through all these fixtures, but let's not beat around the bush. Let's round out this captaincy mm-hmm. discussion. We have a question from Stefan Brandt who asked, do you reckon Aguero will be the obvious captain choice this game week against one of his favorite teams to play at the Etihad, Newcastle? He has scored a hat trick the last time and five goals against Newcastle a couple of years ago. He didn't score this game week away, but we know he is hot at the Etihad and especially against Newcastle. So uh, let's reveal our bus teams here, Dave. Are we both uh, on Aguero right now? 100% 100% on Aguero, most likely not going to change off of it. So Newcastle, when they played Chelsea, Rafa put five at the back, parked the bus. Um, you would think he would do the same here. Um, so if we try to read into Pep's mind, scary thing. But the last time when Huddersfield, where he knew he was going to park, he rested Walker Sterling. So the speedy guys and had a plan for attacking the bus. So if we think he's going to do basically played no defenders. Yeah. And crowd the box. Exactly. So if we think a similar strategy is in order. um, Yeah. I I mean, Aguero could do is do the same thing he did against Huddersfield, but it's pep. And I think literally because they're so good. I think he just does changes just for the sake of changes, just to keep things fresh and interesting for the, for the troops. So um, not at all confident in the lineups. So we'll be sweating it, but I think it's just I, I've done the right swerving from Aguero to Sala and then go back to Aguero. So I, I I'm happy with that. I mean, what do you, what's your feeling about going into it? Yeah, I, I'm with you 100. percent And the thing that I've just been sticking to here is this season is to try to not overcomplicate it and taking the easy home fixtures. The rotation with the armband with Sala and Aguero has worked pretty well. Where that's concerned, the first three weeks, just go with the home fixture, Captain Sala or Aguero accordingly. And so far, so mm-hmm. good. 
And uh, therefore, there is no reason to opt for Sala over Aguero this game week. Additionally, for all those superstitious FPL managers out there, the first match, the first match of the game week, the early kickoff on Saturday, it is the least fun oh. match to oh, captain. Yeah. Oh, that right? I mean, any experienced FPL. <laughs> <laughs> this plays into your decision if it doesn't it's you're crazy but yeah it's true it's it's so tough have you one 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 question for you Bryn. have you heard the theory about it's better to captain someone away at a mid-table club because the mid-table club will not park the bus so there's more attacking opportunities have you heard that i have theory? heard this i have heard this theory yeah um what has that borne any fruit this season Dave? i have no idea if it's right <laughs> i just i just like it as uh yeah it just sounds cool yeah it's just like oh, that sounds smart yeah yeah it does sound cool so if that theory is is correct then uh this will be the week to test it well it if this is if we want to test this theory, this is the the week to test it, right? Liverpool mm-hmm. away to Leicester City, firmly a mid a decent mid table side, and if if this theory is going to hold true, then this would be the one where they well, that's good. they so are. So we'll a know team. after this week. We'll know if it's right or not. We can <laughs> yeah. move forward. Yeah. So don't risk it this week. Wait until all the information is in. Wait one mm-hmm. more week. You did mm-hmm. have a Maverick shout though, Dave. Chelsea at home mm-hmm. at the Bridge against Bournemouth. Bournemouth's defense is, mm-hmm. is abhorrent. <laughs> Um, they played okay so all credit to Bournemouth they have gotten some really good results the first three game weeks they haven't looked terrible they've looked um, uh, very good going forward Uh, yet still so here here it is if you have Hazard do you do you hazard it right do you to to do make a terrible pun do you put the armband on hazard this week if and use him as a differential yeah i mean i like it i think it goes down to your gut choice i i mean the one thing with hazard is minutes um it's it's you know same with aguero for that matter oh kill me assuming okay dave okay assuming he starts assuming hazard starts on a scale of one to ten, ten being uh, Hazard is captain on my bus team, and one being uh, I'm getting rid of Hazard uh, mm-hmm. for Ross Barkley. Mm. Uh, <laughs> where where are you on the Hazard armband? That, that got dark, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it did, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'd be like seven point five or an eight. I'd be happy with it. I'd be psyched, right? I'm just really jealous of teams with Hazard. Yeah, no. That's been the theme of this podcast, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's good. Team's good. All right, so that that that, as we say, is a stand another standout fixture on Saturday. Chelsea, Bournemouth, Brighton, Fulham. That's an interesting one. Uh, Fulham. We didn't really talk about them at all. They had their breakout game of the mm-hmm. season against Burnley, where they put four past Mitrovic. Um, he came good. He really did come good. He looked fantastic. Two brilliantly headed goals. Well, one thing um mentioned uh, in terms of um, Richarlison replacements, I think Ryan Fraser's the standout. And we talked about or mentioned that was, what do you think about Andre Sherla? 5.9. He looked really lively. Yeah, I'm not sold on him just yet. I think he's re- still betting into that squad. I mean, beware the, the Danny Welbeck player. Though Sherla played the entire match because you score a goal when the game is uh, virtually dead doesn't mean that you're uh, a guiding light in, in FPL. I, um, I, I've, 
I feel like I'd even go for Siri over Shirley mm, okay. at this point. Um, maybe just for for value. And if you look at the uh, the bonus points, I think is the case you would make for Siri there. Like if Siri does anything attacking wise, which I'm I'm not saying that he will. I mean that's not the position that he plays. He's more of a a, a link player and a midfield enforcer. Uh, but Shurla will play well. Maybe he'll get you a goal, and you're not going to see much bonus. And I think if I'm going to go so far as to invest in a team like Fulham, I want I want the most efficient route to points. Yeah. So 5.9, uh, I feel like you make moves on Mitrovic before you make moves on Shurla. Fair enough. And then you got City next week, so congratulations on that. Looking forward to that. Yeah, and again, I was I was uh, texting with Josh uh, the first half of this match before Fulham went on their three-goal scoring streak. And I was like, I am not convinced that Fulham will win a single game this season. So <laughs> they did come out with the result, but uh, Burnley oh. playing away from home after coming back from Greece with their Europa League adventure. I don't want to read too much into this fixture. Burnley are shocking. They are... Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. I mean, it's, it's going to be a bounce back game for United, speaking of. Yeah. Oh, uh, for sure. You know. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, definitely. So the, the jury is still out for Fulham. I regret uh, some, some of our listeners uh, uh, tweeted in saying Fulham and, and Wolves are definitely fun to watch. So let's see the likes of Newcastle, like, get ousted already from the league. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, we just had that segment a while ago about them keeping in the league, so I feel bad. Well, <laughs> but fair play. Uh, West Ham Wolves, that's going to be a fun game on uh, Saturday. Everton Huddersfield, uh, Walcott. I can't believe I'm actually entertaining bringing Walcott into my team as a Richarlison uh, replacement. I think that is definitely on the table given this Huddersfield fixture, though. That, that is a short term move for me. So that's the one thing that would talk me out of Walcott just for Huddersfield. Very much short term. To use your theory, Dave, that's I'm taking a minus eight to bring in Walcott effectively because that's a transfer in and a transfer out. I got West Ham the next week, too. So that's that's two good fixtures. Well, so you, you brought Walcott in. For game week three, what was your long-term thinking with him? Did you, you were just like, I'm good indefinitely with him? Yeah, good fixtures. Yeah, they got like four good fixtures. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he's he's set until, you, and set until you wild card. So yeah, Man City, Newcastle is the late Saturday kickoff. Mwah, that's like perfect for uh, captaincy. You've, you've got the meat yeah, it, mm-hmm. uh, of the fixtures and you're mm-hmm. ready for the piece de resistance. Aguero's going to come in. He's going to score a perfect hat trick, head, left foot, right foot, maybe mm-hmm. one off of his knee. I don't know. Mm-hmm. For a it's, four-bagger. It's Mendy to Aguero all night. It's going to like a Fernet Branca digestif at the end of the day. It'll be <laughs> yeah, magnificent. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sunday, I, I'm going to dub this Sunday the focus group of FPL. Mm. Uh, there are going to be a lot of try before you buy or – it's your last chance to save your position. So Arsenal plays Cardiff. This is uh, a great test for Arsenal. It's away, but it's against the league whipping boys. Is Ozil going to play? Is Mkhitaryan going to do the business? Mm-hmm. All eyes will be on Arsenal FPL assets. In this and Ozil. Game. All, all I, eyes I, on Ozil. Eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Uh, will Manchester United even be a club at this point, or will they just uh, will they just disband and become Brandon Pure Watch uh, here? Start Burnley Man United Pure Watch. <laughs> that will be a big Pure Watch for a lot of people. I mean, uh, Eric Bailly, not long for this world. Maybe everyone who's standing by Luke Shaw is going to be very. Oh, excited sorry, for I forgot. Sorry, Shaw owners. Yeah, you're holding him. He, he looked. He actually this played well not, today. Uh, all things considered, not the first. Did you? He got the first and largest embrace from jose uh after the final whistle yeah he, he got called out, out. He, yeah from jose's uh, yeah from uh jose yeah. from playing playing well yeah it, it was like the end of karate kid where uh uh johnny runs out and is like you're all right daniel and he gives him the trophy that was basically what jose did to luke shaw's like you're all right luke yeah. here's the trophy yep exactly and then he had the long 30 second stare down with the crowd clapping like satanically that was that was good too yeah enjoyed that the come at me the come at me bro of clapping (laughs) oh my god so entertaining yeah and 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 watford spurs will uh is the other sunday kickoff that one uh if you're if you've got spurs players uh, watford is Watford have looked really solid. I have to give them credit, but uh, top of the league. cracks. I do wonder if cracks will start to show. Oh, top of the league. I think they're going to stay there yeah. all year. Yeah, everything considered, it's going to be a tough match for Spurs. Uh, but uh, again, the focus groupification of FPL, I, I wouldn't be against bringing in Lucas Mora just to see what he can do against uh, a top side like mm-hmm. Watford. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, yeah, Lucas Moore looked obviously great. So him and uh, Walcott, similar stats. I think both are good, good transfers. Yeah. So that's your lot, Dave. That's that's our preview for game week four. And uh that's our pod. Dave, thank you so much for uh filling in for Josh, who will be back next week. And who knows? Maybe I won't be back. Maybe I'm never coming back. Maybe it's mm. you from the for for here on out. Oh, well, you know, if it happens, uh, that'd be great. Uh, but thanks for having me. It's been fun. And uh, yeah, no, you guys are killing it. So um, just trying to pick up the slack where I can. But um, thanks for having me. Cheers, Dave. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, speaking of slack, if you want to get on the always cheating slack and take advantage of other benefits of being a supporter, just check us out at patreon.com slash always cheating. Just a chance for you to uh, give us a little hey-ho, throw a few uh shekels into the jar and support what we're doing here at the podcast and uh, this is the time in which we thank our patreon producers mike DePietro, steven toomey sam streak jacob roberts nick costello carl rasmus lean Granley, chris howell rafi khan martin savage rick brailsford jim payne and adam benjamin thanks to all our producers don't forget to subscribe to always cheating you'll never miss a minute subscribe at itunes soundcloud Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Acast, TuneIn, PocketCast, wherever it is you get your podcast. Dave, have you given us five stars on Apple Podcasts yet? Yes. Okay, thanks. Dave is doing that right now as we're talking to him. <laughs> also, if you like what you hear, we we, we really appreciate it if you give us five stars on iTunes. It, it costs you nothing and it helps us a great deal. We do appreciate it. And we appreciate you guys listening and sharing the podcast with your friends, sharing it on social media. That's awesome. Speaking of, follow us on Twitter at HailCheaters, Facebook.com slash AlwaysCheating. Email us with your lengthy missives, HailCheaters at gmail.com. Or just visit the website alwayscheating.com where all of this information and more is at your fingertips. One last note, Dave. 
This is uh, this is a big note for USA. Our friend Guy Yedwab, who uh, I know here from New York, he's a supporter of the podcast. He's a great guy. He is bringing it home. It's Circle Ball is coming home. Guy <laughs> went to Bristol, England, and won the Circle Rules World Cup. And uh, the trophy is coming back to USA. The competition also featured the Netherlands, Belgium, and England. But it's USA. So congratulations to Guy. Do you even know what Circle Rules uh, ball is? Did you is? say it's coming Dave, home? Did we invent of- Circle Rules? Or is this not... All, well, all I know of it is I go to the park, uh, Prospect Park here near my apartment in, in Brooklyn, and there are people running around uh, a little goalpost with a giant bouncy ball. Uh, and it looks like the most uh, pagan game you've ever seen. It's called Circle Rules. Uh, look it up. But uh, look it up and also uh, defer to the United States because we're the champions. No, it's first played New York, New York, 2006. Circle Rules. It's coming home. Guy, congratulations. That's awesome. Good job. Legit coming home. All right. Hail Guy. Hail Circle Rules. Hail Poku. Uh, and, and hail Dave. Thanks again. Good luck in game week four. Respect. Jose out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.